welcome back to Feature Presentation. I'm Taylor. And I'm Patrick. And I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are, um, we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into it. We're talking about Don't Worry Darling, and before we even get a chance to talk about the movie, I'm giving Taylor the floor. I'm, I'm muting myself. I'm walking away. I'm doing my taxes. I'm making a cup of coffee. I'm watching the rest of Monday Night Football, and I'm letting her explain all of the drama behind the scenes of Don't Worry Darling in only a way that Taylor Malone can do it. Yes. So, let's take it way back to spring of 2020, everybody's favorite time in life. We get a report that Olivia Wilde is coming out with a new movie that she is directing after critical acclaim for her movie Booksmart, and that movie is going to star Florence Pugh, Shia LaBeouf, and Chris Pine. Then, a couple months later, we find out that Harry Styles is going to replace Shia LaBeouf in this feature film due to scheduling conflicts. No one really thinks of much, but people are definitely curious as to why Harry Styles would have been chosen, especially because he's only really been in one movie before this, which is Dunkirk, and he had like three lines. So like, why is he getting a role that Shia LaBeouf would have? Like they don't seem like on par actors. So, oh, okay, sorry. Something popped up in my screen. So then two months after it's announced, that Harry Styles is going to be replacing Shia LaBeouf, we find out that Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis are over. And it, I mean, it rocks the world, okay? Apparently, he, Jason Sudeikis is bringing the kids to set all the time, and they have a great co-parenting relationship, but people just are like, what the heck is going on? And rumors instantly start flying why is harry styles in this movie why are her and jason sudeikis suddenly over what the hell is going on then a couple months after that we find out that shia labeouf is an abuser allegedly according to some uh uh, lawsuits cited by um ex-partners of him um saying that he relentlessly abused them, sexually battered them. Not good. Not looking good for Shia. Maybe we're all grateful for Harry in the end after all. Okay. Um, and then we're in like December now. We find out that he was actually not dropped from the film due to scheduling conflicts. It was due to poor behavior. And that he was clashing with the cast and crew and Wilde just, you know, Olivia Wilde just couldn't take it anymore. And so she fired him for the best of the production and and said that he's, you know, not a really easy guy to work with. He doesn't really, you know, get along with anyone. And it was just making everybody's life very difficult. And she has a, what she quotes as a zero asshole policy. So. He's gone. Harry Styles is here, maybe for the best. Jason Sudeikis and her are over. 
a lot is happening and and we are already we're only in like april to december at this point so this is less than a year i also think about this time there was a huge COVID outbreak um on the set but you know you and some you lose some it's uh, you know we were all we all had COVID outbreaks in 2020 what, what can you really do um so then we're in january and tmz rears their ugly little head and starts sharing pictures of Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. The rumors are true. Demois is gagged, gooped, if you will. I mean, they were reporting this many weeks before TMZ because I was there for the action. But we are gagged and gooped. We are like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? And everyone instantly is like, oh, she was having an affair with Harry either before she cast him or immediately after she cast him. Regardless, that affair is the reason that she is no longer with Jason Sudeikis, blah, 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 blah. So then we're in the following April and a server delivers custody papers while she is on stage at Comic-Con Las Vegas. So basically just like humiliates her and comes and serves her on the stage while she's, while she's talking about, don't worry, darling, here you go. Here's your custody papers. Um, they, those people, honestly, like they really, I should become a custody server just so I can, a Hollywood custody server, just so I can, I can pull antics like that. Um, okay. I'm going through my, my lots and lots of notes here. So then we start seeing kind of a look at what um, the movie's going to be like. People are getting really excited um, about the, the movie, but everything just still, you know, continues to go wrong. There's just constant drama surrounding, um, you know, like Harry and Olivia and Jason. And, um, you know, people are so wrapped up in this drama between like, was she cheating? Is she not cheating? Are they dating? Are they not dating? What is Jason Sudeikis always doing on set? Blah, 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 blah. That it takes people a little while to realize that Florence Pugh is nowhere to be found. Where is she? Why isn't she talking about the movie? Her representatives are like, oh, no, she's just so busy. She's shooting Dune 2. She's just, she's, you know, not posting online. Like, she's just, she's busy, right? Meanwhile, Olivia Wilde is just gushing about Florence all over social media. I mean, she's just like, she's the most amazing thing. She is just the most talented person ever. I'm so happy to have worked with her, blah, 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 blah. And Florence Pugh is posting about any other projects she is even tangentially related to, but will not speak a word on Don't Worry, Darling. She's talking about Oppenheimer. She's talking about Dune 2. And then when um, she doesn't show up to part of Venice Film Festival, people are like, where is Florence? Are you having a fallout? Like, what is going on? There's been radio silence from her. Was it not a great um, working environment? And uh, Olivia Wilde is like, oh, no, she's just so busy. She's working on Dune. We're just so grateful that she gets to be here for part of it, but she's not here now. And, like, all the while over the past couple of months, people are saying, you know, like, people are coming out of the woodworks on TikTok, on Demois, on their personal social channels, on Twitter, saying, like, I worked on the film. Florence basically directed the entire film. You know, Olivia Wilde was too absent and canoodling with Harry Styles to even be a part of this, really. And it was just a shit show. Everybody was unhappy on set. Like people are coming out of the absolute woodworks to, um, 
to, to talk about their experience with the show or this, this movie and how absolutely horrible it's been. So then a couple of weeks ago, or I guess in August. So, I mean, yeah, it is a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, we find out that Florence Pugh has split from her longtime boyfriend, Zach Braff. And people don't think too much of it at first, okay? Olivia Wilde broke up or split from Jason Sudeikis uh, last year, 2021, fall of 2021. And then a year later, Florence Pugh and Zach Braff has, have split. People have hated this relationship also for a very long time. There is a pretty significant age gap between them. I think people, for the most part, initially were like, oh, like they just, it's, it's time. Like they're over, whatever. But then people started piecing some stuff together. Everybody, like I said, was coming out and speaking of their own experiences working on the film. And something that kept coming up over and over and over and over again was the fact that it was unbelievably clear that Olivia Wilde cheated on Jason Sudeikis. It was not an amicable split. She cheated with Harry Styles. While they were on set, it was very obvious. Apparently, it made everybody uncomfortable. Again, this is all allegedly. I can't speak on behalf of any of this, but this is what news outlets are saying. This is what crowdsourced gossip sites are saying. This is what people are, you know, giving their personal testimonies on, um, that it was clear as day that she cheated on him and she was doing it openly on the set. And their set was the, their time together to basically do whatever they wanted to do. So then people going, huh, Florence Pugh split with Zach Braff. Zach Braff directs Ted Lasso. Jason Sudeikis acts in Ted Lasso and Olivia Wilde split from Jason Sudeikis because she was cheating on him with Harry Styles. And by process of elimination, counting the ones and crossing out the zeros, people came to the conclusion that Olivia Wilde screwed over Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis told his best buddy, Zach Braff, how much he screwed her over. And then Florence Pugh was so angry at the whole thing that it just caused tension in their relationship and it just ultimately caused them to split um people are asking her you know what happened with zach braff more things are getting leaked about um like more trailers and stuff are coming out and people are you know seeing clips of the movie for the first time and florence is very upset about how everyone has taken this film and she just constantly says you know it, it's disgusting that this has already been reduced down to the sex scenes that are in it that's what I get for basically acting across you know one of the most famous men in the world you know this is just like so sad that people um can't see that this movie is bigger and better than than just the sex scenes and the drama and everything else that's been quite literally excuse me making the world go round these past two years while we've been in, uh, uh, not quarantine, but we've been in this COVID world and, and this movie has been there through it all. So then basically there's just a triage of everybody coming out of the woodworks and saying, you know, like I, you know, Olivia Wilde is like, I could have done better. I could have, um, I could have, you know, done more to protect my cast from Shia LaBeouf. I didn't do that. It was my job to protect them. I didn't, I'm sorry, but truly like we all love each other, blah, 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 blah. And then Shia LaBeouf tells his side and shares a video that essentially is Olivia Wilde <laughs> 
going Shia, Shia, Shia. Shia, Shia, Shia. Um, I was waiting for this part. Yeah. Miss, I, I think, here, I have the quotes here, so I'm just going to do my best my best reenactment. And she, so she goes, Shia, Shia, Shia. I am just got back from riding my horse or something ridiculous. And then she goes, I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. And I'm too heartbroken. So I want to figure this out. And like, again, Shia LaBeouf is the person who released this video. And she says, I think this might be a bit of a wake-up call for Miss Flo. Obviously referring to Florence Pugh. And she says, if she really commits, if she really puts her her mind and her heart into it at this point, and if you guys can make, make peace, and I respect your point of view, I respect hers, but if you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? So essentially... You know, this isn't something that came out, you know, you know, when this was happening. This was hidden in the depths of hell for a while while all this other drama was circulating. But it essentially proved that Olivia Wilde did not fire Shia LaBeouf. She was not trying to protect the people like she's retroactively said. She always wanted Shia to be a part of it. And clearly by saying, I think this might be a a wake-up call for Miss Flo, it shows that Florence Pugh had some sort of hesitation to working with him that Olivia Wilde was trying to um, ignore and push through. Um, And it people, I mean, just, just totally, totally ran with this and just said like, you know, Olivia Wilde is a liar and she is, is not being a conducive director right now. And people are saying like, this is why Florence, you know, and her don't have a good relationship. This is why Florence isn't, um, advertising the movie this is why blah 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 blah. so people are just like this is just another reason for why people are believing the constant rumors that were um out going circulating about about the movie um so then basically then at this point you know we're like three weeks uh from where we are today and it's just a bunch of you know press and you know they're doing festivals and they are trying to make it all come together and um dramas drama is obviously still circulating drama i think will continue to circulate about this movie for a very long time um but alas they have work to do people are now seeing the movie and venice film festival was its whole other shit show because people were saying that the tension between the cast was palpable they looked miserable to be there Rumors started circulating that Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles were completely broken up because they did not even look at each other, let alone really get near each other unless they had to at Venice Film Festival. This has since kind of been debunked, or maybe they were split up and they've recently rekindled, but there are videos of her still attending Love on Tour every night. So, I mean, you can make that decision for yourself. I mean, most people... There are people that obviously, um, I say you can make that decision for yourself. Like, I'm not even saying that this is a real relationship. Obviously, when you talk about any celebrity in any relationship, there's always going to be people who say, like, it's just a publicity stunt. You know, like, I feel like it's, it, I, I would lose sleep if I tried to figure out every, what every relationship was, if it was real or fake. The reality of it is probably every single thing in Hollywood is fake beyond our wildest imaginations. But again, I just, I choose not to lose sleep over it. Regardless, um, these rumors have been debunked um, and people started seeing the movie and it got 
horrific reviews from critics. It has like a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and people are devastated because this was their most anticipated movie of the year, really over the past two years for so many people. Um, and you know, like I said, drama is still circulating. Are they together? Are they not? Did, you know, Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine's lap, which like, it's maybe like the most. Okay. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine's lap? No, no. There are several other angles that show that that clearly is not what happened. Okay. Now at the end of the day, I don't care about any of this. I just think it's a funny phrase. Harry Styles spits on Chris yeah. Pine. Like those are those are like six funny words together, you know? No, it is. But it's just like, no, a freaking course he didn't. Like that's are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Like he's not an idiot. Um, but I will say the one thing that that you cannot deny is that Chris Pine was I mean, he nearly lost his mind when he was on panels with Harry Styles and Harry Styles said his favorite quote, this, you know, his famous quote, this movie, it's like a, it's like a movie. I mean, Chris Pine, you could tell that Chris Pine just like actually wanted to like vaporize in that very moment. He was seething. Like you can see in the video, like a a neck vein, like pops out. He's just so upset. Um, but yeah, so so where we kind of are now, and don't worry, darling land, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, is, you know, critics reviewed it incredibly poorly. They hated it. They absolutely freaking hated it and totally shit on it. And then people are starting to see it now, and you are kind of in two groups of people. The people who um, hated it, along with the critics, and the people who, I wouldn't say like, anyone is saying that this movie is the greatest movie of all time. People might've had high expectations like prior to all of this drama, but you know, like where we are now is like some people hate it along with the critics. And then some people recognize that it's not nearly as bad as the critics are saying. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously there's always going to be some, some Harry stands, some flow stands who are just going to like love this movie up and down. And that's, that's great. You know, good for them. But um, we are definitely in two kind of camps right now um, in terms of, of that. So it's been, it's been wild. And I will say as of today. Um, it's been wild. Of, yeah, it's been wild. It's been wild um, with did, an E. Did you, do you know how she got her, how she got her last name? Um, no. Okay. So she is uh, originally Elysia Coburn and um she went to a prestigious uh arts college where she uh was in her first according ever to play. wikipedia it's olivia cockburn which is way funnier yeah but it's it's pronounced coburn it's but, Irish. but that's not as funny okay sure enough um whatever uh so she went to this prestigious prestigious arts college in like boston i think uh in, in the east coast and um, she did her first ever play, and it was The Importance of Being Earnest. And she decided to honor Oscar Wilde, and she adopted the stage name Olivia Wilde. And also, if you do not know, Olivia Wilde is a giant, like, huge, giant nepotism baby. 
Like, just because you don't know her parents by name because they're not movie stars does not mean she is not a giant nepotism baby. Her family is incredibly influential and successful, and they are reporters and journalists, and they have just as many connections as other people who are actively facially in the industry do. And, um, yeah, I think that that just says a lot. Um, And then there was one other thing that I wanted to say. Oh, as of today... Um, people have, uh, come out that apparently like 40 members of the cast have signed a document saying that they enjoyed working on the movie, which is like the most crazy thing in the world. And like, part of me is like, did we really bully like this entire cast into signing something or like, why would anybody sign something if like they weren't trying to cover it up? I think you mean the crew. You keep saying the cast. Oh, sorry. I know. I think it was cast and crew. Oh, well, you just never said the word crew. So crew as well. Okay, my bad. Um, Yeah, I don't even think there were 40 people in the cast to begin with. But yeah, 40 members of the cast and crew have basically signed something saying like, no, we loved working on this together. We love each other. Um, And Florence Pugh finally came out with a long-awaited Instagram post that you can see on her page uh, where she says... Here it is. It was a joy working on this. Uh, thank you, everyone who uh, has supported me in this. And, um, you know, uh, she's she's sharing the love over on her social media. So that is kind of the, I can't even say, you know, uh, long and short of it because it was not very short. Um, but, yeah. All of this, drama. all of this drama for a movie that is fine. It's fine. It's a movie. It's like a real film movie, you know? But like that said, it's fine. What do you think, D? I think um I think that I I wish that this drama had never happened because it instantly put this movie on in the limelight, you know, from the get-go. People were saying, like I said, for two years that it was their most anticipated movie. And, you know, that alone sets it on a, a huge pedestal to, to, you know, just create, you know, exorbitant, you know, expectations. And I, I totally bought into that. Like my expectations were, were sky high. And then when the horrible, horrible reviews came out about it, then you're wondering even more, like, how could it possibly be so bad? And you have this just huge polarization of people's feelings towards it. And I feel like that honestly makes it really hard for me to like, know how I feel about it because society has already said so freaking much about it so that like if I go in and I say like yeah I think the movie was pretty good which I do I think the movie was pretty good I don't think it was the greatest movie of the year but I think it was pretty good but I also when I say that am I like am I also kind of letting people get in my head like the people who hated it am I like oh well I'll just sound stupid if I say it's great but or do I just also not really think it's that great but I want to be apologetic about it like I don't know I feel like there's so much surrounding this movie so many people's opinions that are just out there in the world more than any other movie that we've seen recently and I think it's I think it's getting in people's heads it's really hard to uh you know pinpoint where people really lie um because we can't pretend that you know we haven't been absorbing this you know whether willingly or not willingly for the past two years i think that's the thing though i think you know the truth lies between them you know 
You've got a lot of zero people. You've got a lot of 100 people. And the truth is probably more in the 50 range. That the movie is okay. Right? It's got some good ideas. It's got some poopy ideas. It's got some pretty strong performances. It's got a lot of performances that will surprise you at how amateurish they feel. Right? It's occasionally funny. It's occasionally thrilling. But really, it's just kind of middle ground, I think. I think it's above middle ground, personally. Um, I It's definitely a movie that I want to rewatch. I really wanted to rewatch it even before we recorded this episode, just because I think it's a movie that I would appreciate and understand more if I watched it a second time after kind of digesting it and digesting other people's thoughts. Not that, you know, they're making my thoughts for me, but... I think just taking everything into consideration makes me, you know, want to see it again and just like really solidify the things that I might have already been thinking and help me determine the things that I might have been on the fence about. Um, But I I mean, I personally thought it was better than okay. I, again, I don't think it was great. It's not a perfect movie, but I, I think that it was a, I would say it's a good movie. I would say that with some, you know, significant tweaks it could have even been a great movie i i i feel like i said significant tweaks okay don't look at me like that um hey, hey, I, hey, I, I didn't say anything i think i think it's good i do sue me and i i i told patrick like what i don't want to happen is for people to listen to this and think like oh taylor is just like a don't worry darling apologist because it's just so I feel like this is a a movie I'm not ever I'm you know we share our opinions on movies um I would say for a living we definitely don't make a living off this we share you know our opinions on movies for the world to hear three times a week and this is the first time that I've ever felt anxious about what people will think about my opinions on a movie just because um it's so polarized it's so polarized um isn't that like, I don't know. I feel like that's like the exact reason why I find it to be just like fine. Because like you have all these people that are these like apologists. And it's fine if you like something. You're allowed to like things. Even if I think it's kind of mediocre, it's cool if you like it. Not specifically you, but just anybody, right? I don't care if you like it. But this is kind of the point where like people legitimately care what other people think about it which is like bizarre and not a way to watch movies <laughs> you no. know like it doesn't i don't care like art what, is supposed to be subjective and people are trying to objectify it yeah i don't care what harry styles tiktok has to say about this movie you know it doesn't it doesn't matter to me but they care what i think about this movie yeah am i wrong I'm obviously I mean, largely would, generalizing here. I mean, I think it's actually like a little bit of the opposite because I think like the people on Harry Styles TikTok um love this movie and I don't I don't think that they care as much that other people don't like it. I think more so it's that people who hate it are like literally villainizing and attacking, literally attacking people online, the people who do like yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I feel like it's, but so, I feel like you could say that about either end of the spectrum though. Like I think sure. it, we're, we're, we're kind of talking about it as if there are two sides, but there is a middle ground of the people who are just like, whatever, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, I think I, I fall more into into the middle ground camp than I do, like, either end. But at the same time, I do feel strongly that, like, it, it does not deserve the hate that it has been get it, getting. It, it just does not. I mean, you can you can put this down and you can tear this movie apart into microscopic pieces and analyze each little one and talk and think about critical film theory and whatever. And like, it's a fine movie. Like there is no part of this movie that deserves the absolute slander. It has been getting online. People just like thinking it is the worst movie they've ever seen. Like, have you ever freaking seen movie 43? Like shut up. Like don't worry, darling is perfectly good. Like these you liked movie 43. Are... Okay. Listen, I, I wouldn't say I liked movie 43. I, I I'm pretty sure you said that exact phrase, but it's fine. Um, no, I said, I appreciated the commitment is what I said. Um, but like, you know, people are just absolutely slandering it and just like villainizing it. And I just like, it doesn't deserve that. Like, first of all, I think, you know, one could make a case that like not really anything deserves that. But at the same time, like this definitely doesn't like, it is perfectly freaking good. Like it is, you know, like there, like you said, like there, there are no performances that are just completely offensive. There is nothing in the plot or the cinematography or the, you know, design that is offensive. Like there is nothing about this movie that is so horrible that it deserves to be just absolutely dragged online. Like no movie I can recall in recent memory, unless it's a movie that just like straight up was bad and deserved it. Like red box movies don't even get dragged this hard. Like this is like so unfair, um, which I think makes me feel like an apologist. But at the same time, I just feel like Jesus Christ, people calm down. I think for me, uh, the, what it all comes down to is in terms of uh, my takeaways from the movie are the performances because I felt like the script was very, uh, I told you this when we left, um, you said like, did you see the ending coming? And we'll, we'll get into spoilers. Um, you've heard enough of the drama. If you haven't go see, if you haven't seen the movie, go see it and then come back to this. You said, like, did you see the ending coming? And I said, I didn't see that ending coming. But, like, obviously there's going to be some explanation that they've barely explained throughout the movie. And we'll go, oh, okay, that's the thing. And that'll be the end of it. You know, they could have given me any other sort of twist ending. And I would have gone, yeah, okay, sure. That's your explanation for this whole thing. So, like, the the ride that the movie was trying to take me on just didn't really do much for me. Um, because it could have explained it in any way and, and it wouldn't have made any difference. So for me, and especially because this is where so much of like the the criticism comes from, it all came down to the performances. Because I think that Olivia Wilde perfectly, not perfectly, but like plainly straightforward did her job as a director. I felt like, just like you said, all, all like the crew side of things, check, 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 right? All fine. This is the weirdest cast of all time. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest group of people. And you've got a cast where the person, arguably the person with the most acting experience in the cast, is the director of the movie. Uh, She's not really an actor, though. I mean, she was on Olivia House Wilde? And the OC, and then a bunch of chick flicks. 
Do you not think like Chris Pine is more experienced than her? I I feel like you you know fifty fifty whatever. I mean, the, like the point is like she's either number one or number two. Sure. I and guess. she's to say that she's more of a director than an actor is super. She's made two movies. That's not what I said. Okay. Um. I feel like you know she's either number one or number two, and. I just feel like this group of people, I like them all separately. I didn't really feel much cohesion in terms of um, uh, in terms of chemistry, in terms of believability. I just felt like um, picking all of these people, didn't add up to what we wanted it to add up to. Sure. Um, I don't know how to word what I want to say, which is not a great thing for podcasting. So if you have any thoughts on this, take it away for now. Um, I mean, in terms of the casting, like, yeah, it's like Nick Kroll is like the number five in this movie. He's like barely in it though. But is he not like the number five in this movie? I mean, he is, but I I feel like five makes it seem like he's in the movie more than he is. Like it it really is a movie. It's it's really Florence's movie. Like we can't we can't get true. that twisted. It is really her movie through and through. Um, and it, it's really if it's not about Florence, it's about Florence and Jack. And if it's not about Florence and Jack, then it's about an ensemble. Like I would not say it is about like Florence and Jack and then Olivia. Or if I'm sorry, Alice and Jack and then um Bunny. Like it is it is about Florence, Florence and Harry and then the ensemble of people around them that I think share the screen decently well. Um, but I will say, like, um, and actually, I don't want to jump too far ahead in terms of what I thought about, like, you know, the character's presence and, and who I thought deserved more screen time. I'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I will say, I, I feel like, you know, again, I'm going to sound like an apologist. I think that this is... Um, probably my favorite Florence Pugh performance. I thought she uh, held her, her spotlight well, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, uh, have you seen Midsummer?" And yes, I have, and it traumatized me, and I don't want to talk about it. So this is my favorite Florence Pugh performance. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought she, she, when the movie lost me, she pulled me back in. Um, not only did she look like the most stunning that anyone has ever looked in their entire life in this movie. And like, I am not like, I'm not a Florence Pugh hater by any means, but she, she has not swept me off my feet. Like she has other people. Um, and I was like, just totally and completely in awe of her in this movie. I mean, she looks gorgeous in every single scene. I was completely captivated by her. Um, and, uh, in terms of Harry, like I know it's a hot topic. I, I don't feel like Harry did that bad of a job. I feel like I was, um, I think he lost me a little bit at the end. And don't get me wrong, was he like pretty, like, you know, intro to acting 101? Yes, of course. Like when he's angry, he yells. And when he is happy, he smiles. Like, yes, he, he, he does all those things. But um, listen, I, I've seen a lot of 
you know, influencers turned actor and, uh, uh, you know, singers turned actor that don't do it nearly as gracefully as he did. And I think, you know, there was an attempt there. I really do think that there was an attempt there. And also so many people are talking about his accent, which like, yes, does he sound straight up weird at some points? Yes. But I do think that that is like a little bit justified when, and again, I'm just going to jump into a spoiler here, but um, I think that's a little bit justified when you find out that like Jack isn't even supposed to be British. Like Jack just chose to be British in this simulation. Um, like it makes sense that his British accent isn't perfect. Uh, and, and that's why he kind of slips into Americanisms because it's just a fucking facade at the end of the day. Um, and so, so people are shitting on that. Chris Pine, I think... I we Patrick and I both like laughed when he came on screen. He just kind of like seemed goofy, but I will say the dinner scene made me understand why it was Chris Pine. I do think it could have been pretty much anyone else, but he got me there. Like I, I do think that that was a genuinely really good performance, uh, and it was like you know proof that you know uh, foiling you know Harry's over the topness that you can say a lot by doing and saying nothing. And I think that he, he really owned that moment. And then there are a lot of great ensemble, ensemble performances um, from people who are barely in it. Um, You know, like uh, what are their names? Um, Kiki. Let's see. Um, Kiki Lane, who plays Margaret. She had barely any screen time, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, Nick Kroll was like, I love Nick Kroll. I love seeing anything, any part of Nick Kroll, but he was a very bizarre choice for this and like, whatever. Um, I loved Kate Berlant. I thought that she was so good in this and such a great, um, like comedic relief without being ridiculous. Um, I thought that, uh, uh, Sydney Chandler was really great, even though she was like barely in it. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it was a Gemma Chan was, um, was good. I I think everyone was like perfectly good. Um, and then I think Florence Pugh just kind of took it to the next level, which she should because it's her movie. I think, um, you, you found the word that I was looking for, which is ensemble. I felt like because of the varying levels of, um, uh, I don't want to say acting ability, but I mean, that's kind of true. Like experience, I guess. Sure. Um, it didn't feel like, like it's not fair for Harry Styles to have to go against Florence Pugh like 17 different times. Yeah. That guy doesn't know anything. And yeah, it's not his fault. He's not a freaking, the guy's not a freaking actor. Yeah. Nick Kroll would have been better prepared for that than he was. And like, that's, um, Acting is not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And, and Florence Pugh is clearly just out of this world talented. She's going to be around forever. People love her. Um, you know, she's she's booking more and more and more. I mean, just like I said, just in during the press of Don't Worry, Darling, she's working on Oppenheimer and Dune. Like, um, she's not going anywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he was always going to look kind of silly next to her, which I think is sucks. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about um, – you know, my policeman and not, not a ton of press has come out about it. Um, but people basically said like, it was unfair and, and honestly kind of cruel for Olivia Wilde to essentially like 
use Harry to sell tickets um, instead of intentionally casting him in something because you would never intentionally cast Harry Styles against Florence Pugh, like you're saying, um, and like expect it to go well um, other than just like people thinking it's a hot, sexy, incredible duo. Um, And people were saying like, if Harry genuinely wants to be a good actor and he genuinely wants um, like acting experience and, and these are things that he, he really truly wants, like then she, she just, she screwed him over big time. And that's so unfair to him um, because he was probably really excited about this. And then she kind of just made him look like an idiot. Um, And I think that there's something to be said about that. You also have a, bunch of people who are uh, comedians like basically everybody beyond like number five on the call sheet is a comedian and comedy is the hardest thing to do and there are are a lot of um, comedians who who have made great dramatic turns but that's just a bizarre casting strategy to take for a movie that is not a comedy at all yeah and is like why was almost never funny (laughs) intentionally you know it is weird it is weird to have nick kroll and and the guy from veep um who plays the doctor and um you mentioned kate berlant right it's weird to choose them all isn't it yeah i mean like there's just stuff like, like that where you just go like what, and there was yeah. enough of those I felt like that added up for me, that it just felt like I it can't it's 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 got like a carrying capacity I feel like. I mean I would agree with that I think that it, I hate to just like say this because this is not quantifiable in any sense but like the vibes were just weird, you know like there like the pacing was pretty weird. There would just be like long, like there's a freaking like three minute like scene where Harry's going down on Florence Pugh. Like, did we really need all three minutes of that? Like, I mean, I'm not complaining, but do we need all three minutes of that? And then it's like, like the long dancing scene with Harry Styles. Like, the the pacing was just very weird. But he then, danced like, forever. Was- he danced yeah. forever, and he's like doing like a thing that's not easy. You know, he's like yeah. jumping up in the air and spinning like. Nobody could do that for more than 20 seconds. <laughs> you know? yeah, it he doesn't for like five bizarre. minutes. Yeah. It, it, it like, was there's enough bizarre. bizarre stuff like that that adds up that I'm like, I just I just feel like what the hell is going on? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm with you there. Like, um, I, I don't understand why why some of the people were, were cast in the roles that they were. And I don't understand, like, why the pacing was off. And, like, uh, the vibe, like I said, the vibes were just weird. I know that's not quantifiable and that's, like, not a good critic thing to say. But it, the vibes were just weird. I feel like these are all director things, though. Like, a director's job is vibe and pacing yeah. and directing actors and making the movie make sense. And she's kind of over. Yeah. I think that something that really annoyed me was, um, so, so some more drama that I forgot to mention was that I think today or yesterday as we're recording this, the actress who played uh, Margaret Kiki Lane made a post with uh, the actor Ariel... Uh, Ariel Stachel, who played Ted. 
and he was in uh, uh, the band's visit on Broadway. I think he was nominated for a Tony. Oh. He won the Tony for the band's oh, visit. Oh, okay, cool. Um, he was another so, one. I liked that guy just fine. But he popped up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> you know, yeah. I did that so, like five times. <laughs> yeah, Kiki. Kiki made a post that said, "Like, um, basically, like, wow, what a roller coaster." Uh, the best part about Don't Worry Darling by far was getting to meet Ariel Stachel. And she says, even though we were cut out from most of the movie, uh, we're still, we're thriving in real life. And people were like, that makes so much sense. The only, number one, the only couple the only, that's not yes. white. Yeah. The only, the well, only there's black two, I guess. person in the film. They're only black women in the film. Um, and she's also like, Olivia Wilde's character does the funny. same bit four freaking times. Like, how many times can she like make a snarky comment and puff on her cigarette and roll her eyes? <laughs> yeah, her her character is for a majority of the film useless. We find out in the end that Olivia Wilde's character Bunny, she is one of maybe the only if very few women who decided to go into the simulation because she talks about how I had to go into this simulation because my children are here because in the real world, I lost them and I don't want to live without them. That is so like interesting that she is one of probably the only women who choose who chose to go into the simulation. Where was that undercurrent? If we have to have Olivia Wilde on the screen, that's what we need to be digging into. And also I, I found it very jarring that, like, her whole film, she talks about how she, like, hates being a mom and how, how her kids love Alice way more than they love her. But, like, this is your chance to be with them? Like, why aren't you being mommy dearest? I guess because, like, she understands to a certain extent that these aren't her real kids. But then why does she, like, go to bat at the end saying, like, they're my kids, they're here? Like, it just makes no sense. Like, her performance does not – and so, like – Either I don't want Olivia Wilde because she's not doing anything productive, or if we are going to have her, we should at least be digging into the backstory that they've created for her and just dropped a bomb on, on us in the past five minutes. But regardless, even with that backstory, Margaret's character is so much more integral to the plot. Like, why did Margaret take her son out there? Like, what did Margaret see? Was he like, there are so many questions about Margaret that, um, that, you know, just, I would have loved to dive into that more. And, you know, I will say one thing that I think that the movie got really right and, or I wouldn't say right, but I do think that like one part of the movie, um, and, and this is what I mean. of like, there are some parts that are really smart. And then there are some parts that are just so stupid and you can't figure out why one part of the movie that I think is really smart is that Florence or Alice, Alice isn't a girl's girl. Alice isn't an advocate. Alice wasn't there for Margaret. Alice didn't give a fuck until it started happening to her. She's selfish. Like, I think that it would be so easy for Alice to have been in Margaret's court the whole time and then be using Margaret's experience to, like, try and figure these things out until they start happening to her. But no, Alice abandoned Margaret when she needed her, when this was happening to her. And it wasn't until Alice you know, had it happened to her that she actually cared. And then it was too late um, for Margaret. And like, I think that that was really smart storytelling, you know, like it, it would have been a much easier choice to just have Alice be the, you know, the, the, the 
uh, feminist icon that, you know, she turns out to kind of be at the end of the movie. Um, but she wasn't that whole time. And like, it's so hard when like, yeah. And then the movie is, is this like feminine or, you know, feminist kind of, kind of showcase, but then you cut the black woman that has like arguably the most importance to your plot from the film. It's giving racist. I mean, like it feels, it just feels like undercooked. And maybe that's part of it. Like, the explanation at the end is is just it's just half assed at the end of the day. Sure, it explains um, like the situation, like what is this community? How did it come about? Who chooses to be here? Where is everybody from? Sure, it checks off all those big boxes, right? Doesn't check off any of the smaller boxes. None of them, you know. Yeah. And it kind of just goes like, yeah, whatever. Well, we explain the big stuff. And between – it just feels like that is just a good example of how many things just feel just um, undershot. Yeah. It, it's weird because like I – the first two kind of acts of the movie are – pretty slow it, it's hard to kind of figure out what you're even building towards um but then the third act i think and you know in my mind proves that they had this world figured out i think in, in talking to each other about it i think they had this world figured out i think they had compelling details about this world that made it an interesting place to set this film i think that they had figured out details that you know push push their narrative and and push critical thinking and i think that they 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 had it up here they had it in their head but what they couldn't figure out is to is how to expand on any of those ideas and actually flesh them out in the movie so like something that i i continue to come back to constantly since seeing this movie since this line was said was when we see incel jack in you know being on his discord mod- moderator and you see him going through the onboarding process which was so funny um, by the way harry styles yeah, those, like who hasn't showered in two weeks yeah like the that's a legitimate jump scare for like the the harry fans out there yeah i think it's a legitimate ju- jump scare for the average person <laughs> so those people are i mean i've seen videos of people just sobbing leaving that movie like, <laughs> ruined it for me. because they I made harry styles it. ugly yeah I, that's you you like you see that scene and you go like, I know why they chose Shia LaBeouf. Oh yeah. Like Shia LaBeouf was, it's, he's the other way around. He's the creepy unshowered dude who they were going to have play, be really polished and be really 1950s, go to the office. Yeah. Um, Which maybe not, not to say that Shia is the right choice. Clearly he's got a lot going on um, in his life. But I think maybe like that's just objectively like the way he looks. Well, just I feel like that's just the better route to take casting it is take a weirdo to play really, really fake and great because that's more that's more the truth of what the story that's the truth of the the story. That's the character. Exactly. Jack, Jack is incel Jack. 
Jack is incel right. Jack with a fake British accent living in a fake world. Exactly. Jack is the one that's fake. Alice is real to a certain extent because she's literally programmed. She doesn't know anything else right. that's going on. Exactly. Alice is still like Alice. Like, yes. Is Alice also Surgeon Alice? Yes. But Alice, in most of the moments in her life, in victory, she is just victory Alice. Whereas, like, Jack is a character all the time. And, um, like, that's a really good point. Like, you should choose someone who, like, it's inauthentic for them to be the victory version of themselves rather than inauthentic to be the the weirdo version of themselves. Um, and you're right. That, that makes... Uh, a clear like and then you just do that like 10 different times and and you just that's why i go i shouldn't say you go that's why i go i mean the movie was fine i enjoyed it i liked watching it like i i had a good time you know it made me laugh a couple times sometimes it wasn't supposed to make me laugh and i laughed anyway but that's fine you know i uh i got my money's worth but it just feels like i can't i cannot like um I don't feel like I could really recommend this movie. I don't feel like I could really go to I bat for this movie. I just feel like, sure. I mean, like, it's a movie. It's a real movie movie, or whatever the quote is. It's a movie. Yeah. It's fine. Most movies are fine, you know? Most movies don't get this sort of spotlight attention on it yeah. that make everybody and I choose a freaking really side. Like, just like you said earlier, how many Redbox movies get made every year that are just fine and nobody cares, you know? That's yeah. how I feel about this. It's fine, I and I don't can't care. I wonder, like, I care because I, I don't think it's fair that things like this get get an unnecessary spotlight. You know, like, I, I'm not going at bat for, don't worry, darling. I'm going at bat for this phenomenon. You know, like, it is unfair that, you know, artists make things their entire life, no, no matter what your medium of art is. And some things go completely unrecognized or silently praised or, you know, whatever. And then you just have these, these random things that go off and like, sure. Is that the price that you pay for putting things in the public spotlight? Yes, it is. People know what they're getting themselves into when they put their, their art on display. But you can't tell me that, you know, anyone involved with this film anticipated this kind of reaction to it um, and, like, the constant drama that came, I mean, at every single stage of the movie. Um, it's just, it's just, it feels unfair, you know? Like, at the end of the day, and I know, again, that this that these people are the professionals and they, they get paid a lot of money and, and way more than warrants me to, def, you know, defend them, you know, whatever. But I feel like movies are hard to make, you know, movies are really hard to make and there is so much more that goes into it than we will ever, ever know. And to a certain level, like I want to say like, this is good. And like, sometimes I, I see a shitty movie in the theater and I give it a one star and I never think about the people who worked hard in this. I'm like, I don't care. That movie was horrible. But when, when I th like when a movie gets unnecessarily shit on, I can't help but be like, come on guys. Like this is movies are hard to make. You know, it's again, like it's kind of like damned if you do damned, if you don't like, I'm always going to feel some type of way because of the way other people are, are making this movie out to be. That is true. However, they put together a movie where they cast the hottest actress on the planet, where they cast the most 
popular pop star in the world where there was an insane amount of I mean you can you know sure you know we're 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 joking and people are gossiping about this divorce and this cheating and whatever but just in terms of just the filmmaking there were some crazy ups and downs and yeah. and and some and some drama and stuff and you kind of feel like it was just this perfect storm that was just yeah. almost inevitable of like it was going to get hyped up um, because of all of these people and characters and personalities. And it was always just going to be this movie that is, that ranges from okay to pretty good. Yeah. Um, I didn't finish my thought earlier about um, like a, a, an, an example of the things that, you know, were just shoved into the third act that show that there was thought there, but never got fleshed out. Um, and when I was talking about, um, incel Jack, um, we got off on a little bit of a tangent, um, incel Jack, when he's doing his onboarding process of victory and becoming a victory person, uh, they say pre, they say like Alice, blah, 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 pre-existing relationship, which alludes to the fact that some people are just like abducted against their will. Yeah, that's that crazy. These men can just choose women. Yeah. And then you start thinking about Violet's character who moves into victory and she's confused and she doesn't really understand her own backstory and she seems lost and anxious all the time. And you can't help but wonder, was Violet abducted and like non-consensually brought into this world? Probably. And it's so scary. Apparently, I, I cannot say that this, the validity of this, but apparently there was like an alternate ending at one point where Jack and Alice were like a divorced couple and Jack um, faked her death and abducted her and put her into this so that he could be with her again. That's well, just just this idea of like choosing someone who you're not in a relationship with. That's obviously very scary, but like a very interesting idea for the conversation yeah. this movie's trying to have, but it doesn't explore that at all. Like it's no. one thing on I the screen he where he clicks pre-existing relationship and everybody in the audience goes, Oh, Whoa, there's an option to not have that be a thing, but then they'd never mention it again. <laughs> and you know what? I think this is just kind of dawning on me. I don't know if it is like the Jordan Peele effect. I don't know if it's, a social media thing. I don't know if it's a it's a new wave criticism thing. I don't know if it's a combination of all of those things. But I feel like we live in a world now where people expect movies to be littered with Easter eggs. Obviously, when, you know, Get Out came out, people were like, oh, what about this symbolism and this? And Jordan Peele was like, half this shit y'all are making up. Like, these were just coincidences. Like, I made the movie, and I'm telling you, I did not know that a deer represented blah, 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 blah. Like, you, you guys are just reaching. Um, but we are, like, programmed. You know, people will dissect shit online till the cows come home. I mean, they, they will just do it constantly. And so I feel like, you know, it is now – you have to be really careful um, to not just rely on, like, shitty Easter eggs. Like – 
you have one line that said that alludes to the fact that it's non-consensual. It shouldn't be up to your audience to just be like, oh, well, that, then that means Violet must not be yeah, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Like there, it would be so much more. I'm not saying that you have to tell your audience everything explicitly and show them everything explicitly, but you do have to say more than one line and let everyone figure it out for themselves because at that point you're losing the integrity of the movie and the plot. This, the script owes it to us to explore its best ideas. Yes. And for that to be the movie. And it, they just and didn't do that. And all the best they ideas happened in the past 20 minutes, and they were a sentence. Yeah. There was a bunch Which of really like, interesting stuff in that yes. last 20 minutes, and they explored none of it because they wanted, you know, the big Harry yells at, at Florence scene, you know, yeah, or they wanted the big car crash scene. Yeah. And um, I think the third act was really strong. But every single time they'd say something, again, it would just make me go like, this is infuriating because you guys get it. That's what the you movie do. should be about. You, you did it like five it. different times, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the movie right there. That's the yeah. thesis statement. And then they were just like, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you guys have something. You have something arguably more original and more interesting than we've seen in a long time from a psychological thriller. But you just couldn't figure it out. And that, that was really disappointing because um, they proved that they had it. Yeah. And that's how I feel just about like the whole thing. Like it, it was all competent, but none of it I feel like reached its full potential because I felt like it had a lot of potential in, in every – just about every aspect. Um, but yeah, it just couldn't quite, couldn't quite get all the way to the end zone for me. Yeah. I will say one thing that I do want to just rave about for a minute – um the design of this movie was stunning every single person in this movie was perfectly dressed and quaffed and made up and done like i mean not a single detail was spared i think it is like some of the best world building that i've seen in a long time probably since once upon a time in Hollywood. I mean, it was truly, truly, truly incredible. Um, if you are at all a fan of like mid-century design, you will just be in absolute heaven watching this movie. Um, and yeah, everyone just looked looked gorgeous. And I, I think that um, something that I loved so much about this design and the cinematography is I don't think it fell into the, um, you know, common thing of like, oh, it's a thriller? Well, then that means it must be dark and scary and broody. Um, like, there were those moments, but they were used intentionally. There's a... Um, they do it a couple times, but the, the one time where they do the full, good, meaty 60 seconds where um, all of the wives walk out, walk their husbands out to the car, and all the husbands drive out, pull out in the same at the same time and wave to each other, and shoot each other with finger guns and, and wink and stuff. The, the, the one time it gave us that full sequence, because there's a bunch of times where it cuts and they all wave yeah. as they're pulling out. And then that's it. It's like three seconds. The one time they did that full sequence, I was like, okay, this, this is it. Like, this is like yeah. visually, um, the, this victory world. Yes. I want you to and do I, this I like Florence seven more times to like completely showcase the, um, the rhythm of this world mm -hmm. and how every day is the same and how it has to be like this. Do that a bunch more times. Um, number one, because it was awesome and really fun and really colorful and, and really energetic. 
but also because like you need that to help prove a point about the movie. And then every other time I did it, it was just like a two second thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like no, that 60, can... that might've been like my favorite 60 seconds in the movie is like yeah, that sequence really where they all, they all get up in the morning. Gosh, man, she makes a lot of eggs and bacon, but like that where they do the full morning routine. Um, I was like, that was like perfectly choreographed and they never did yeah. it again. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely disappointing. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I can't remember. Okay, final thoughts. Um, my final thoughts, hold on. Um, oh, a question. My final thought is a question. Uh Uh-oh. Is the idea that they leave every day for work, are we supposed to... So when they leave every day for work, are they going into the real world and caring for the bodies? And that's why they say a man's job is to, like, first job is to care for the wife. Because I saw a video that was like, oh, like, Alice has a a feeding tube, which I didn't notice if she did. Um, But, like, is it the man's job to go and, like, pay bills and shit in the real world so no one finds them? What? Like, is that what they're doing for a job? Why would they make it so that if you die in the simulation, you die in real life? Because they're the ones putting themselves in the simulation. Why would they do that to themselves? I mean, I think because they don't think that anyone... These these people who decide to do this clearly are so wildly unhappy with real life that they can't imagine that anybody would want to leave victory, I think. It's just they're delusional. Men are stupid. I mean, yes. That's my final Which thought. Which is another reason why, like, another reason that I kept thinking this is, like, so Bunny is the person who chose to go in there. Did Nick Kroll also consent? Because Nick Kroll's the one going to work. So is <laughs> true. Did she, did she agree with Nick Kroll to, That's like, what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kept thinking, that. like, did, did she say, like, we're going, you don't get a choice, and every day you're going to have to go take care of my body while I stay in victory. Like, clearly they allow women to enroll. What does that process look like? How does that process of a woman enrolling in victory look different than a man's? Do they have to have a pre-existing partner? Can they just choose anyone? Is there a limit on how many women can enroll? Like, there's there's so much that I would be, that I would just love to dive into. I wish that someone could just, like, purchase the source material of this and like really flesh it out because i'm interested i'm interested to know about this world and i feel like i've been like edged (laughs) exactly exactly you nailed it that's how i wanted to put it all and and that's it that sums it up for me all right so i'm exhausted (laughs) yeah so what we're gonna do now is we are going to um talk a little bit about what we're going to do on this podcast over the next couple weeks for Halloween. So this show, the feature presentation podcast is going full spooky for the month of October. We're putting out an episode every Monday in October. And don't get used to it because this is not a weekly podcast. We are just doing it for the season. You're right. Exactly. It just happened to, we just happened to kind of start it up around Halloween time, um, but our plan is to choose a different um, theme, topic, 
character every week that has something to do with Halloween, spooky season, um, that kind of vibe. And we are going to each pick a movie that goes along with that theme or that topic or that prompt. And we're going to kind of have these impromptu double features where the other person doesn't know, like we don't know what each other's movie is. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a possibility that we have, you know, a universal classic monster and like, you know, a Disney channel original movie. Right. Um, we're not curating these as a double feature, but we're kind of creating our own double feature out of these. So we've agreed, and we came up with these a long time ago. We've agreed on our four topics uh, for the month of October. They are in this order. Witches. Creatures, which kind of means like monsters. Vampires. And killers. We wanted something that was broad and that was also less um, sort of mythic. So it's witches, creatures, vampires, and killers. So every week we're going to have a different double feature episode that um, aligns with that in some way. So Taylor, our first is witches. And what I want you to do is I want you to pull up your movie on Letterboxd so that you can okay. read... Um, to the folks at home and to me, because I might not know what you're like anything about your movie, you can read like the year, the the letterbox synopsis, and explain a little bit about why you chose your movie. All right, I'm ready. Okay, so this week's theme is witches. I want you to tell me uh, what did you choose, what is it, and why. I chose a movie that I can't believe that I haven't seen before so now is the perfect opportunity to watch it for the very first time so don't crucify me no pun intended um for not having seen this but I am choosing The Craft 1996's The Craft um the synopsis is a catholic school newcomer falls in love or so, sorry falls in with a clique of teen witches who wield their powers against all who dare to cross them be they teachers rivals or meddlesome parents um, people love this movie. I mean, they absolutely adore this movie. It has like a cult following and, uh, I've always wanted to watch it and it just has never happened. I really wanted to go, uh, we have a drive-in movie theater, the Mahoning that we go to, um, every, like, well, I wouldn't say every couple months, once a year or so. And I really wanted to go see their scream in the craft double feature. The stars didn't line. We weren't able to make it happen, but now's the time. Now's the time to finally, finally watch The Craft. So this works out because I think that our double feature next week is actually going to, like, they're going to pair really well together. Because um, I tried to pick a movie that I, I think that you would like as well. Um, and so I think that these are going to align pretty well. Uh, my movie is from 1998, and it is called Practical Magic. Oh, very exciting. Starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole yes. Kidman. Yes. Uh, the synopsis. Um, I've never seen this movie. Um, Sally and Jillian. I'm assuming it's Jillian Owens. Born into a magic family, have mostly avoided witchcraft themselves. But when Jillian's vicious boyfriend, Jimmy Angelov, dies unexpectedly, the Owens sisters give themselves a crash course in hard magic. 
With policeman Gary Hallett growing suspicious, the girl struggled to keep Angelov and unwittingly inject his corpse with an evil spirit that threatens to end their family line. I do want to say that it is possible that I've seen bits and pieces of this, but I don't remember, so I'm very, very excited to watch it. I saw the cast, and I went, that's all I need to know. To watch this movie, I have been hearing about this movie forever. I don't think I so. had. I think I heard about it for the first really? time like a year ago. Oh no! Yeah. this has been on. This has been on a mental watch list for a very long time. So the next time you'll hear the future presentation podcast, um, we are going to be talking about our witches double feature of the craft and practical magic that worked out pretty well. It's a pretty good double, I think. Um, and uh, neither one of us have seen either movie, so it'll be a fun conversation. Um, until then, obviously you're already on featurepresentationvideo.com. That's how you're listening to this show. Right now, this show is a website exclusive. The only way that you can get it is by going to our website. The easiest way to get it is to, at the bottom of this page, put your email address in and we'll send you this show and every show that we do, um, and every article that we write and everything like that, um, every day of the week directly to your inbox for free. There's no paywall at all. I also found out today that there's like a way that you can like, um, unsubscribe to certain pages of the website. So if you're like, man, I really like Taylor and Patrick, but gosh, I just hate Vince Vaughn. I'm not going to subscribe because I don't want Vince Vaughn movies sent to my email every week. Well, you can subscribe and uncheck the Vince Vaughn box, but why would you do that? Um, his movies are really great and none of them are terrible. And so I don't know why you would want to do that at all. Um, but the point is definitely not the watch. The watch is maybe his best film. There's no reason not to subscribe. It's all free. And we're going to send you everything that we do. And uh, you're going to be reminded of this show because the only way to hear this show, like I said, is on the website. Uh, you can find us in a bunch of places on Twitter. All the links that you need are on this page below the show. And um, we also want to know what you guys think. You can tweet at us. You can leave a comment on this. What's on your mind? What did you think about? Don't worry, darling. Any suggestions for our creatures or vampires or killers, double features, let us know. And we will take them into account. All that stuff is happening and we're going to have a really really fun month of october at future presentation and you are gonna want to be a part of it put your email address in at the bottom of this website thank you so much for tuning in see you next week guys